Hi everyone, I'm Karina Gantus, host of Behind the Pen, and you're listening to the podcast. Enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm Karina Gantus, and you're watching another episode of Behind the Pen. I am an award-winning best-selling author of 14 books. I also have two podcasts, uh, Behind the Pen and Narrations by KK. I'm the host of Author Assist on the Artist First Radio Network. And I also run Author Assist, which helps uh, authors with marketing and promotion. Enough about me. Let's um, say hello to my guest, uh, Joshua. Welcome to the show. Well, I feel honored to be back. So we tried this before and there's an evil storm, but I was thoroughly enjoying my con- my conversation with Miss Karina here. So thank you for having me and putting up with me yet again. Yeah, it seems a, a good connection today. So we should be good. Um, I'm totally missed out your last names. Did you notice I did that deliberately? Would you like to? Yes. <laughs> do you, want, you want me to do a, like a proper introduction of what I do on my, on my show? Do you want Go me to on do that? that? Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Joshua Pantolesco. I write stuff in podcasts too. Today, I am a guest on the great Karina Kansas' show, and I am here to answer the tough questions. My favorite flavor of ice cream is vanilla. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Mine is English toffee. Nice. You know what? That's fine. You know what? As long as we all have our ice cream flavors, man, and that, and that is everybody, I just not personalize that I know that, that can tell me to the straight face that they hate ice cream, right? Some people can tell me they can't eat it, but if you tell me you hate ice cream, I just, I can't believe you. You can't, I just, I don't can. how can you not like ice cream? Exactly. Exactly. So Josh, let's, let's go way back, way, 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 way back. You're out of the womb, <laughs> you're at school. What were you like okay. at school? What sort, of, what sort of child were you like? I was quiet. Like I was very quiet. Um, I uh, I had a lot of these big thoughts in my head that are out there today, but I much like although mo- most people listening to this probably won't believe this anymore. I'm still very much an introvert, but there's still that nature in me. I because of what I do with interviews, I've trained myself to be extroverted. Uh huh. But I like the quiet. Now I was an energetic, crazy. I was I, I was a big wrestling fan when I was a kid. I was nuts about wrestling when I was a kid. I loved comic books. I I I I I tortured my sister. She tortured me. She had to torture me more than I tortured her. That was okay. Um, I, I was the oldest. Um, were you a good boy at school? You say you're quiet. Were you? You didn't get into trouble. With so there was a point um, when my parents separated that I was um, a bit wild. Um, I was I was very yeah, like we were talking about like last time we'll get to that later, but um, I'm not I'm not um, averse to darkness. I've seen some dark shit stuff in my time. Um, but the thing is, during that time when I was learning how to cope with my parents. So basically, when you when you're a kid, when your parents separate, on some level, no matter no matter how much the parents say it's not your fault, you always feel a little bit like it's your fault. And, and also just the fact that um, I hadn't seen my sister at that point for a couple of years. Um, I like my family was really separated. It was a really, really, really um, long time. Uh, we didn't. It, it was rough for. It's probably rougher on her than me, knowing what yeah. I know now. 
but it was rough on me. And at, at, until I could forgive a lot of things, um, I, I mean, there was a point there where I, I ran away from home. I was, I skipped school. I, I just didn't do anything other than that. Yeah. For the most, for, for the most part, um, if you were to ask anyone growing up, I was a weird kid as well. And this is what a lot of them say. Because um, I also moved around a lot as well. And because I did all, I, which gave me, was an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage was, see, I have this like, because I've traveled so much and seen so many different places in North America, I can kind of look at, go to a place and I can figure out where the city is at in its development, its wealth, its rise, its fall. Because I've been to so many different positions and I've seen so mm. much. It gives me a very unique perspective in terms of what's going on around me. But the disadvantage to that is I don't really have roots. So when I was a, so when I was a, uh, when I was a kid, um, it, g- it gave me, I think, a sense of flighty. I was imaginative. I was quiet. And, you know, I dreamed. Um, as I've gotten older now, I just can't shut up. But that's a, that's neither like you know, that's neither here nor that's neither here nor there. But that that kid that kid without that kid I wouldn't be who I am today so I love that kid my uh, parents divorced when I was very young I'm the middle child my mum took me and my sister and my dad had my brother so it was it's difficult when a family splits so I totally get totally get that I don't think I was old enough to go wild I don't remember you know I don't remember a lot I don't even remember them being married. It's like I've totally blocked that part of my life out. I don't remember where we lived, uh, what their marriage was like, um, what I did as a child. My earliest, I think, my earliest memory was probably um, middle school. So I still remember. I remember... I do remember my family. I, I remember. So it's funny because the happiest, like, honestly, I can be very honest about this. Probably at that point in my life, I felt like everything was good. I didn't have this idea of a struggle because my, my mom, for all the issues I have with her today, I loved her and she loved me and I knew it. My dad, he was on the road all the time making a living. And uh, for us, so we could eat. And he, I loved, I love my dad. My dad was my hero. My sister drove me nuts. I loved him more, and I still do. I love my sister more than just anybody else in the world. And and I remember us all together. And looking, knowing what I know now, I realized that maybe we weren't always as happy as I remember it. But I was happy, and so was my sister. And 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 you know, um. I honestly had, at the time, I had two good parents. Um, so I can't look back at that. And and I look back at those times and I can smile. Now I remember other things too. And I wish those things, I wish I could forget. But I heard. Yeah, everything. I think, I think I've just blocked it out. I must have been, it must yeah. be a difficult time and uh, my mind just doesn't want to remember it. Um, let, let's talk about your writing. I mean, when was the first time that you could actually call yourself a published writer? When was what was the first thing you published? How old were okay, you? And what so, was it? 
and it's funny. I'm gonna say this because I've got four poetry books out now, and I hated poetry when I was a kid for some reason. But yeah. in high school, I, in high school, um, they had this like little paper, and uh, I remember this. Um, they had this little newsletter, this little paper, and I wrote a poem that got published in that paper, and people read it, and they didn't pay for it. Still only money in Moncom Secondary School, but that's okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Moncom was Moncom Secondary School shout out. But um, I uh, that was the first published thing. I did publish stuff then when I went to St. Clair College in Windsor for journalism. I dropped out because I was a flake. That was it. Um, but I, I guess I could say like I like I where I felt like I was published published um, was when I self-published my first book at when I was 22. It was, a, it was a, another, ironically enough, a poetry book. Uh, it's not in print anymore, in circulation anymore. That was the first time I was selling, it's how I learned how to sell books. It's Isn't how it I learned. amazing when you hold that book for the first time in your hand and it has your name on it and it's yours and you did that. So I have a storage locker in Calgary because of COVID. I'm, 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 I'm kind of disconnected from my stuff for the moment. But in that storage locker, I hired an artist to paint the cover. I still have that painting. Like, I still have it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a very, um, it was a very cool experience to put that all together. And I learned so much doing it. And, but it's that's strange you should, you should say about that cover because the only book where I have my poetry and it's mixed with some flash fiction. The actual cover is a painting and I have the original painting. So it's weird you should say that because it's exactly yeah. the same to me. Strange. Mm. So um, where are you now in your writing? I mean, how many books do you have published? Uh, is it all Currently, poetry? Five? No, five books, I have five books. Uh, four of them are poetry, but they're not standard poetry in the sense that they're um like these one these oh. bunch of poems they're actually like a Gilgamesh style epic mm -hmm. I was thinking so I read a uh a collection when I was younger called, called the singer the song and the finale by a gentleman by Captain Miller and he told this he told the old like the old testament in the singer the, oh no Jesus is Jesus's birth and death in the singer the song which is Paul's crusade and the finale, which is Armageddon, and did it. And really, it was really creative. He did it all in poetry and picture, and I really liked those books. And then one day, I said to myself, I would love to try that style. I also read stuff like *Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner*. Um, I also like I, I read some like the classic like poetry stories, and I, I always loved that style. And one day, I accidentally wrote in that style, and um, I accidentally wrote my first book and got published. The book I considered my first book was completely an accident and uh, it was poetry it was the guy I always wanted to do that Gilgamesh accident and I did it and I and I've done it four times uh three times as a as a trilogy and one time although the second although the next book in that series is going to be a mixture of prose and that Gilgamesh style epic it's an Alice mm -hmm. in Wonderland riff the first one was a request from an editor so I just and she wanted that Gilgamesh epic style so I made it completely that for the first one but for the next one, it's going to be a mixture of prose and poetry because that's how Lewis Carroll did it, that was in Wonderland as well. So I want to exactly to that. 
that 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 style. Prose so. and poet, uh, poetry are very similar in a way. You you're expressing yourself. You're not using rhyme. You're not using a certain um, style. You're just um, describing something, but it's not a story. Does that make sense? Kind of. I, I think. I think. Okay. So if I were to, if I were to decide the different, I'm going to use concept of Jenga and Plato, two oh, games. Gosh. So poetry is kind of like Plato in that you can take the shape, any shape you forge together and yeah. tell a story with yeah. it. So it's kind of like Plato in that there's no actual shape, yet, yet within that, whatever shape you come up with and imagine, you can do an awful lot in it. Now, story is more like Jenga. It has blocks and bars and structure which helps tell the story either way you can tell a story but you tell but it's like two different mediums one tells a story a certain way another one tells it another way and how you use them is ultimately what matters but the cool thing about poetry is poetry can be anything it can be, it can look like a starfish, if it's like Plato, or it can look like a vial, right? Right. Story structure, a typical three-act structure that we go by, um, has rules that it applies. But sometimes those rules create creativity as well. So there are sometimes sometimes the structure can help you, and sometimes the structure can be hinder you. So how right? would you how would you describe prose? Prose is, prose is structure. Like prose is like building a building or a, a or constructing a program or building. It's it, you're literally you get a building box like you have or building a road. Actually, that's probably the best way I would describe it. It's building a road and having a map of how to get there. Right. That's literally what you're doing. You're building the bricks and the foundation and you're running you know concrete cement. Occasionally, you have to sweep away some potholes here and there because. They, they, that because you know you get soggy middles here and there sometimes the cement doesn't dry the way you imagined it would dry but that's what i consider like like prose there is a structure and a formula usually to it that's not a bad thing though always, as well because those structures help you tell your story in like in a way that i find i can i can put a lot more it's much harder to put nuance in poetry Poetry, you have to be, your words, your word choices have to be extremely specific if you want to create a different uh, entendre of meanings, layers. You don't have the space. So your words have to be very, 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 very deliberate. Because of the structure of prose, you have the ability to be a little bit more, but you can, you can expand on that nuance. Yeah, but you mm -hmm. can actually paint deeper pictures, which is such yeah. a neat thing to do. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Flash, flash fiction is is the same. You you're telling the story. You start, middle, and end, but you've got to be careful with the words you use because you only have a certain amount, say hundred, two hundred words. So you've got to tell it. It's got to be specific, but you've got to be careful and use the correct words for it to um, make sense, but to also keep it into that. Uh, small um, hundred or two hundred words i i mean a lot of writers find flash fiction really hard i don't what i do is i i start with a conflict 
And then um, why did that happen? And what's the conclusion? And there you have it. You've got your story. You have a formula that works for you. It like does. You figured out your, yeah, yeah, you figured out your formula. That's really brilliant. Actually, I, I, I'm going to give you a clap for that. that that's, that's actually really, and, and like, no, Mark, that's actually really clever what, you, what you've done. Flash, because now that you've got me thinking, because I've never done a flash fiction, like story fiction is harder for me, right? But now that you've got me thinking about it, okay? Poetry, I have to be very careful with my word choices. Well, that's what that and flash fiction have in common. So if I were to do a poem and then add, add some of the structures of flash, I might be able to tell a flash fiction that's competent, but we'll see. Do you know, do you know if you- I'll try with a terrible- If you've never written flash fiction before, the best thing to do is you have three random words and you have to make a short story of my maybe one page, 500 words, using those three random words. Okay. And that gets your creativity going, it gets the juices flowing. And once you start writing, it, it just comes out. It does for me. But if you ever wanted to try it, three totally different random words. Wish I had my book here and I'd read you one. But I had um, a prompt from my fans to, because I was stuck on a, a novel and I said, I've got to get going again, so I need to write a flash. And uh, one was um, uh, jelly, corpse and butterfly. And so I wrote a flash fiction using those three words. And uh, it's one, actually probably one of my favorites I've ever written. Um, it's called The Butterfly Effect. And it's about a dystopian world where the beautiful people are the ones that run it and the ugly people wear armbands and they're doing experiments on inmates to try and find a cure for ugliness. Hmm. And if the cure, this is like the last person they're trying this experiment on and if it doesn't work, then they will basically annihilate all the ugly people. And so only beautiful people will live. And it's the flash fiction, it's one page. And, and it's just, uh, I'm really, wow. really proud of that, you know, because it's, it, it yeah. really, and I went straight back to my novel after and carried on writing because my juices were, were going. Uh, listen, talk about your poetry. You've got uh, something with you now that you can read to us? I, I, I could. So I actually, you mind giving me a minute? Cause I, what I have prepared is actually my latest work in progress, which is actually prose. Right. Okay, cool. So, uh, forgive, I, I actually hold on. Give me a second here. I'll I'll do I'll get I'll get it for you real quick here. Okay. I have both. So I I have both. It's it, it's not for. So what would you rather have? I'm gonna give you a choice. My from my trilogy or from Alice in Wonderland. I'm gonna give it to you. What would you like to hear? What's the shortest piece? That'd be that'd be Alice. Let's try that one. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I'm going to read a piece of it, if that's all right with you. Okay, we'll go, boom, boom. Let that commit. Okay, so. So this is a mashup of Alice in Wonderland's Greek mythology. So Alice finds Pandora's box, and that's how we start the story. Open it. The box, shadowy and mysterious, calls out to me. In my dreams, I hear it whisper, open it, 
let me out. Night after night, it threatens, pleads, begs, until I can't take it anymore. Until I'm here in this place, the box and I, me and you. I shouldn't open it. Yet I can't help but wonder, what's inside? You know you want to find out. Would it be so wrong to find out? Mama and Papa warned me, but do it. My hands hold the box lid. It glows black and glitters like the stars in the sky. It sings to me. I open the box and shadows come out. The box screams as darkness spreads into the sky. Inside, I see a Cheshire grin. You have my gratitude. What do you think? Wow. And that was so well read. That was that was intense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I like so that. So Alice opens the Alice opens the box because Alice is Pandora, right? And inside, a certain Cheshire lizard now inhabits her head. So the whole story: Alice and the cat are together, and the and the cat himself or herself, I'm not going to begin to reveal this. Also, is a Greek character. I mean, uh, Alice in Wonderland itself is just such a weird and wacky story. And uh, well, people have um, tried to use that concept of going down and getting into the rabbit hole and trying to find their way back up. And I think it, any kind of um, a way of trying to, to use... Uh, um, Alice in Wonderland, in in poetry, prose, flash fiction, whatever. Um, it's uh, it's it's deep. It's weird. It's wacky. It's uh, crazy. Alice is an interesting character. I'm actually reading her on my podcast on my weekend reads. So I'm actually a little behind. So tomorrow night I'm reading. I'm reading another chapter because I do audiobooks as well, and I'm having fun with Alice. And the thing about and the thing about that and thing about Alice in Wonderland is, so Alice, I figure, is the evolution of the story of Pandora, which is the evolution of the story of Adam and Eve. Hmm. Curiosity creates a fall. That's what they have in common. And you can look at the story as elements in history. Alice has a happier ending, but she goes into madness. So did Pandora. So did Eve. Hmm. Right? They actually a lot of our stories connect together in interesting ways I, I i one of the things uh, the way i look at things i look at it doesn't matter what i see i always tend to try to look for the connection of things not what makes them different because intelligence already discerns difference it's what makes them the same where there's similarities like for example duct tape and a cell phone don't seem like they have much in common but the connection the two of them is versatility there's a thousand and one uses to duct tape and a cell phone, what doesn't a cell phone do? In that one way, they have something in common. Mm. And, right, we don't, we have a tendency to always discern difference. What I try to do is I try to inverse that. I try to see where things are connected. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. That makes you, does that make you crazy? A little bit. <laughs> <coughs> but it allows you to see the world differently. Definitely. You don't react to, yeah, it, well, it allows you to see the world differently because then you realize that ultimately you come to the realization that there's no, no matter how crazy it seems from the outside looking in, no one's really that different. And that's a really powerful thing to understand. But you got to look at the, but again, we had, as our very nature, you are different than I am. 
but you're not so different. You want some of the same things I do. You want to be happy. You want to pursue your dreams. You want to have a creative life. You want to fall in love. You may want to, you know, have kids. Maybe you already have kids. Maybe you don't want to have kids, but you love. Oh, it doesn't matter. The important thing is you have desires. You want to live and you want to do the things in life that matter to you. We all do that. So I mean, it doesn't matter who you meet, you've got a connection with them already, no matter what it is, there is a connection. Yeah, yeah. and so it, it's very important, it's very important not to label people in broad strokes, even people you quantumly disagree with or, or, or just have such a seeming like a different point of view, because you've never been in their shoes. Even the most hateful person in the world they didn't get there overnight. Something happened along the way to make them who they are. Yeah. And if you can understand, and if you can understand that, you can you can understand why they would do what they do. You may still disagree with them. You may still think they're hateful and vile, but you won't hate them in the same way. You won't treat them like inhumane thing. You'll actually say, "I don't like." what you do but for the right reason but i understand where you've been you and if you can, if you can psychology if you do that if you can do that it's really hard to hate anybody right it's really hard to um it's not possible but it's, it's really hard to it's, it's again i seek connection i don't i and because i seek that's what i do um Oh uh, no. We'll right, we'll go out. Carry on. <laughs> I'll cut that uh, out. Okay. Uh, uh almost saw like I was nervous there for a second. But yeah, that's 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 um but that's the thing. Like I I it's people, especially when people see what's really different, something heinous, something vile, something evil in front of them, it's really hard to put yourself in that position. Mm. And I'm not saying you should condone what that person's doing. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, much like you, they are human beings. Yeah. What led them to this path? Did they have a choice? Did they have a real choice? Did they have a chance? This is the and same with, you, with writing fiction and you have a character, you have mostly good versus evil in every single story. But for the reader to enjoy the story, they need to connect to that bad character. They need to understand why he does what he does. And you don't have to condone it, but no. you have to understand it for them to understand the character. You write a character that has um, that doesn't have a reason for why they are like they are, then that character doesn't work. It doesn't exist. They can't connect. If you, your reader can't connect to that character, the stories goes nowhere. So yeah, good versus evil. You have to, um, you have to allow the reader to understand where this person's coming from, why he's like he is, um, what he, why he does what he does, and and have that connection. Yeah. Well, mo most villains, most villains are actually right about something. Whether 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 you agree with their uh, their whole plans, acts, whatever. They usually have a, now, doesn't matter what the reason is, a villain has to believe they're right. And the best villains usually are a little bit right. 
That's what actually makes it interesting, right? It's not, oh, the mustache toward and really, I'm going to steal your lucky charms. Oh, no, no one, no one cares about that, right? But I'm like, I'm going to steal your lucky charms because you took something from me first. That's more interesting. Yeah. And it's not, right? That's a much more interesting pathos. Still wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right, but you understand that. I'm the not taking you need to because, understand that. Yeah. yeah. Right? You understand that. And it's now a much more interesting story because now your good character isn't always so good, which is actually a good thing too because now you have room for the character to grow and become something more. This is right? what with my, my main character from the illusional reality uh, fantasy duology. This is a definitely good versus evil all the way through the two books, but she's not as good as she started. There is another yeah. will inside of her, an evil part of her. And throughout the book, it becomes stronger and she can't control it. And she doesn't know what happens when it takes over. And But she started off as, as just a, a very nice, very, very stubborn person. Um, who had these um, normal powers that uh, she would have had in this world that she's been taken to. But then um, the, the tutor who's teaching her how to um, control these powers notices there's something different. There's something different about her. And he's the one that gets her to unleash this other power, not knowing what it is. And um, throughout the two books, until you get to the right at the end of the book and you find out who, who this person really is, because it's a duology, but it's a, the first book is a duology of two people. Her, Becky, someone like me from Earth, and then Thaya, who she becomes when she goes to Jacinia. And the second book is Thaya and this other half. So... Both books, are, it's the duology, but both books are about a duology of that person. So making that person who was good into something evil, but allowing, again, the reader to see some reality to it. Um, fantasy is amazing. You can just uh, write about anything and it, it exists with fantasy. It doesn't matter what you I'm going to ask this one question then, just because you believe, I, I brought this up earlier. What does the good version and the evil version have in common? Because that, to me, I think would be where the conflict is. Mm. Because again, they are they are each other. One cannot exist without the other. Exactly. Right. right? So it's what do they have? Yeah, and that's just this is just me. This is just me. This is how I this is how I think. Right. So what do they got in common? Because that's where the story is. That's where it's interesting, right? But good luck. It sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. It's also fun to write bad guy stuff, though, isn't it? It's so <laughs> much fun. <laughs> but but it never started out like that. You know, the first book it was just her being uh, uh, taken from Earth, becoming a princess. She's supposed to uh, marry the evil ward lord's son. Um, she refuses, and it, it started off like that. And then uh, when you do when you write and you get in the zone and then you hear the characters telling you what to do 
uh, which way to go and you have to listen to him otherwise you don't sleep and the story just runs by itself it, it writes itself and you have no control over where it's going anymore and, and that's the fun mm -hmm. part when you get in the zone and it just yeah when your characters are telling you no no we're going this way and you're like i didn't expect to go this way why are we going this way trust me exactly you have to yeah. trust the characters because they know where you need to go to continue the story so um what kind of i mean what gives you is it life that gives you the ideas for your poetry okay so my own experience is i, I okay so when i was younger i think the difference between me now than me when i was in my 20s is this um 20 year old me wrote from the head 40 year old me has completely comfortable with being vulnerable i've learned in this life that you're at your strongest when you are not afraid to show your weakness. Because when you're that, so people read books to have an experience, people read books to feel something. To get That's out of their feel. reality. Yeah, exactly. So younger, but the best way to do that is to find those things inside yourself that are genuinely real. The first book of poetry I wrote, The Watcher, it literally came from a desire to I hated my day job. I hated it because I realized there's so much more to life than what I'm doing in this moment. Why the hell am I doing this? Why are you doing it? Why? Why? There's so much more out there. Yeah. And the story starts with the watcher looking out and realizing and wondering just what's out there. And the story is about him just going out to find out. And that a very much a real, that's a very real part of me. Even now, even in COVID this COVID craziness, I'm already thinking next year where I want to go next. Like I, and, and that sounds like that might sound crazy to you, but I, I'm already looking at, I'm not, it's not who, it, this is who I am. I, I can't not do these things. And I'm at peace with who I am and where, what might happen to me because that's what life, life's risk. So I, I, I'm driven to find out what's next. I want to see what's beyond the horizon. I want to meet new people, explore new possibilities. Life is so, life is short on time, but long on possibilities. And I love I like going out there. Yeah, it's it's what it is. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's what it is. Most, most of us see, I am crazy. And I'm in the best way possible. It's, I've, I've been through such a gamut in my life that I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to succeed. I'm just, I would rather make a million mistakes, have nothing to my name, nothing that anyone remembers me by, but I can say I did all this cool shit. I don't care. There's nothing, the house, the car, the kids, the wife, don't get me wrong, I would love a family. I, there's a bar of me that wants to be married because I'd say that's the ultimate adventure when we get, to the, when they, we get right down to it. When it ultimately comes, that is the ultimate. Oh my God, he did what? Right? I mean, that's a that's a, that. I mean, that's that. Like you, you're completely at the whim of your kids, and, and, and in the best way possible, because you brought something into the world that that hopefully is a better version of you. And you and or actually no, I I misspoke that. 
a better person than you are. And you try to what you're trying to do, make something that was better than you were. I think that's a really cool, but that's an adventure because you make, you're going to make mistakes there too. And they're going to make mistakes. And it's going to be fun. And it's a learning experience. That's a big, that's an exploration too for down the road. Life, life but, is a learning experience. It's a test and you're yeah. tested throughout the life. And it's whether or not you're strong enough, whether or not you, you're, you're capable enough to pass this test. And, and things get thrown at you and you see that as a, just another test that you have to get through. You have to, you, you've got no, um, you've got uh, no other way of, of carrying on with that path unless you get through that stage, that, that test that's been thrown at you. And I think, um, I think that makes you stronger when you can go through these uh, maybe difficult times. It makes you a stronger person makes you understand life more, makes you uh, grip it by the balls and um, and take every day as it comes. But knowing, like you said, life is very short, that you, you need to understand that these little things that used to stress you out and get you upset and get you angry, they're tiny, tiny little things that you don't need to care yeah, no, about. No, no I... Um... I, I recognize like like one of the things I'm getting older and wiser on is the fact that people don't change. Aren't going to change. They're going to choose. People ultimately do what they want to do. This is the one truth I think I've learned about every single human being on this planet. We all do exactly what we want to do. The question is why? Are we deliberately in conscience with our desires or do our desires control us? Right? Are you working that job because you're afraid of losing your home? Because you want that home, you want that whatever that gives you. Are you, are you pursuing your dreams like I am because you're not afraid to fail? Because it's what you want more than anything else in the world. Are you? Do you want? Are everything you're doing for your kids because you love your kids more than anything else in the world, and you want to do everything right by them? Are you? Do you think that maybe your life's better suited sleeping and hoping to get life by, just get through this day, than going out to whatever life's out there? These are all legitimate wants people have, mm -hmm. and everybody acts on them every day. We, we are always at work on desires. Sometimes we lose. Like sometimes other desires trump the ones you have. No, there's no such thing as a perfect record. But the but the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, if you I want to be live a creative life. I'm teaching myself how to draw because why the hell not? Um, right? Uh, I I podcast. I'm doing video. I'm I'm I've released two books this year. I want to try to release a third one this year if I can. And if not, it'll be very shortly into the new year. I release the next book. And then I want to, you know, I want to travel. I want to like even just here. I'm very passionate about just doing things in this life because I realize that my time is now. And yeah. I want to make all the stupid mistakes I can in the meantime, because that's what life's about. Life's not about, the only thing I'm going to disagree with you on, I don't think it's necessarily about passing the test. It doesn't matter if you pass or fail, really. What matters is the decisions you make in the process and why. Because that says more about who you are than whether you succeed or fail. Succeed to what? Fail to what? You know what? I may, you know what? I don't have a house. I may never have a house. I'm good with that. I don't care. 
because I don't want that house right now. Now, maybe when I'm 50 or 60, I'll want that house. But I don't really care right now. It doesn't, for me, it just serves, I need a place to sleep. I can get a tent. I'm not saying I would rather, I, I'm not going to get wrong, I'd rather have a house yeah. than a tent. But the reality situation, the other, but, 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 the, but the reality of the situation is, and of course, really comes to shove, the house isn't a priority in my life. Car is not a priority in my life. I've traveled more than most people that have had with a half car. I don't have one. I don't care. Yeah, I've seen more of the world than some of the people that are literally in the city driving than just in the city. So, what do I need a car for? I mean, what I what I'm doing is I'm doing what I want to do, and I am willing spirit. to take it. You're a free spirit. But, yeah. That's that's what you are. You you're a very positive person. You you see the the positive side of everything, even the negative. You find the positive of it. You don't want to be tied down. You're free spirit. You and that comes out, of course, in your art. When you're an artist, you're not just a writer. You you like you say you're having to go to drawing. With me, I'm a singer. When when you have that uh, passion for art it can uh, it can cover so many different uh, uh, art forms but uh, it never it never is just one thing i think no. um, you know the more you 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 allow yourself to experience and open yourself up to these possibilities i think the more fun life will be life even now life can be a very magical thing like i okay i like here's a cool little magic you're in greece i'm in canada and yes it's four it's five o'clock in the morning here and i know that's not but we're talking about art and, and you're talking about your flash fiction you have an awesome little formula that works for you and that's amazing by the way that's right i'm curious what you sing about i'm, I'm very curious what you sing about but the, but the but the thing is we're having like isn't that a kind of magic in of itself when you like sit there and think about it? Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, right? It's very yeah. cool. Oh, um, so. unfortunately, we're going to have to uh, finish now. Oh. The time has run out already. Yes, it's uh, go so fast. Uh, absolutely wonderful chatting with you, Josh, and I can't wait to uh, get on your podcast and for you to grill sure. me about stuff um thank you so much for joining me today and uh, i want to wish you all the best with uh, the rest of your uh, writing and your creativity and your drawings and whatever else you get up to in this life hey, you too good luck okay shining in the darkness love that yeah okay